David Butler Studio Podcast. Before we begin, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we are meeting, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and to our shared future. Sovereignty was never ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. He. Him. Boom, like, boom, check the room. Like, boom, shake the room. Boom, check, check, check the room. Check, 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 check. check. You're right with it? Malbec. Oh, you're still going. I am. I've still got the pinot. Good pear days. It's a beautiful sound. Right. Oh, that was a good pear days. Yes. Yeah. Mount Moriac, Geelong. Geelong. Yes. And such Geelong way. Such Geelong way. (laughs) (gasps) It's happening more and more. Or if I'm uh, if I'm playing the typical American. Yeah. Um. Can you guys tell me how to get to Geelong? Looking for the Geelong Highway. Oh, they don't really. We want to go out there and see if we can see some Kaola bears. Kaola? <laughs> they're not crayons. They're not bears. They're, they're not bears, actually. That's a good point. Yeah. Sure. I picked up on that. Um, can we just turn the gain on yours down just a smidge? Turn the fucking gain down, mate. Yeah, just down it. Yeah, you like that right there? How's it? How's it sound? Oh, revolting. Um, <laughs> but the balance is good. <laughs> Egg salad. Egg. So So, we're off and running. We're we are off and running. Welcome to the He Him podcast. Good evening. Good. Good, sir. What? Good evening. Good evening. It's fine. It's totally fine. Hey, that's what editing is for. You just ruined our opening. Is that a euphemism? I would love to try and make it one, yes. Mm. 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 It's so wet. She's filling it with all the wet stuff. I like to fill it to the brim. Oh. The cup runneth over. Uh, what did I say the uh, last night that tickled you? Oh, oofty toofty. Oofty toofty. A client of mine years ago used to say it whenever uh, he would struggle with a phrase or if he was just like a little overwhelmed by something, he'd be like, oofty toofty. <laughs> it was, it's so funny. It was just so funny because we're playing Fortnite and you know most of the time we're like, oh, fuck, oh, son of a oh, fucking cunt. You know, right. that kind yes. of thing. But... You did something and you were like, oh, oofty toofty. <laughs> what? Delicate. That's what I am. I'm a delicate human being. <laughs> hey, Addy. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Oh, you're so sweet. You're so sweet. Um, we, should, uh, we should acknowledge our not sponsor. Absolutely. Well, we've got two of them today. We do, yeah. Well, so you're finishing off what was our dinner wine? Yes. So this is a Mount Moriac Geelong. <laughs> Pinot Neuer. <laughs> Pinot Neuer. Uh, yeah, really nice. 
I really liked it. I wasn't right. expecting this kind of like a fresh, almost zestiness when you first sip it before it kind of relaxes on the palate. Do you get that? I mean, it's I kind of know. vibrant. I, I don't think I thought about it too much. I think I was just so surprised because I'm, you know, as you know, I'm not really a Pinot mm. drinker, person. a Pinot, a Pinot much, person. But I, as I said, when we first cracked it open, I think I'm becoming a convert because there's, yeah. Yeah, there are some really good Pinots out there. Um, I'm finding. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I just haven't had any good ones in the past. I mean, it's certainly possible. Look, I make every room for the possibility um, though it'll only happen if somebody tricks me into drinking a Chardonnay because I haven't yet found one that I like but I make every room that there is possibly one or two out there that I'd be like hmm, not bad it's the thing about wine is that even even among the same grapes you can get such a such variety yes yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we've just lost your mother again because we're talking about wine and she's like, oh, it's not for me. Yeah, yeah. No, so for the audience, my mother started listening to our, our Maiden episode mm. after we released it. And it was like, oh, we've, we've done a podcast. And she's like, what's a podcast? And I, oh, okay. So I got her to download Spotify and then she started listening to the podcast. And then I was talking to her the week after and she said, oh, by the way, your podcast. I was like, oh, yes. Did you, did you have a listen? And she went, well... I, I, I did listen, um, and I got to the part where um, you started to talk about wine, and you know I'm not really a wine person, so I got a little bit bored and I turned it off. So, but you know maybe, and I was like, two minutes. You gave us two minutes. Two minutes. That was the yeah. very first thing we right? talked about. After <laughs> hello, let's pour this glass of wine. Let's talk about wine. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ma. Dear me, our other uh, not sponsored by wine uh, is our. Tinka Las Moras Malbec from Argentina. Ooh. Do you know Tina? Say it again, but slower. Finca uh. Las Moras uh. Malbec. Uh. Oh, oh, that's, that's a, beautiful a beautiful sound. sound. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate us sometimes. Everyone should hate us. As we're sitting here in our matching, matching suddenly Seymour <laughs> t-shirts. <laughs> Which I really like. I do too, yeah. And like, we're going to have to wear it when we go out places together. I mean, we've got our matching uh, aprons as well. Yes. Yeah. We do our cooking class. Perfect. <laughs> Thank God we've got an outfit sorted. Gosh, we need to book that in. That'll be so much fun. I keep thinking about it and Maybe then in not June. doing it. Maybe in June they can, we can find a time that works. Yeah, I'd say that's a good idea. Because with Joshua, I'll definitely need some distractions. Distractions. Some distractions. <laughs> Great. Yes. Um, this evening, um, I thought we could talk about music as it's kind of at the forefront uh, for us at the moment, as we are currently in rehearsals uh, at time of recording. Uh, it is late April 2022. We have uh, one more rehearsal in a couple of days' time for our show on Friday. Well, your show. Well, my show yeah. that you are contributing Helping. significantly yeah. to, um, which I'm very excited about. I, Me too. I, I'm just so pleased with how it's come together and so much of it just has fallen nicely into place. Not not by accident, not without work, but fallen into place in terms of the right songs, the right things have yeah. kind of aligned. I have got to tell you hmm. that you have, as an, outs- well, as an outside observer initially who's sort of come into the fold as someone who's helping. Which fold? <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't the audience like to know if you can find it you can fold it <laughs> um, 
you have made the process look very easy. Um, and it makes me wonder, has, has this all just sort of kind of fallen into place for you over the last couple of weeks, you know, as, as you say? Or is this something that you've been working on for quite some time that is sort of now just kind of coming to fruition? Yeah, it, the, the expression of, not that I'm in any way suggesting that it's a success, it's a hit, but the, the expression of it takes a long time to become an overnight success um, when referring to artists that just suddenly blow up. Yeah. Um, I, this show has been percolating for three or four years okay. in, in my head. I knew, I kind of had, the, had a, an ambiguous beginning in my head that I wanted to kind of start with the darkness of Peppy. Mm-hmm. And I knew I wanted to finish it getting out of drag. Yeah. And kind of revealing David because I, as David, no longer need Peppy. Yeah. In the same way. Yeah. Peppy's not going anywhere, but I no longer need Peppy. Yeah. Um, and so I've wanted to explore that. And I've had the finale, like that end section has been in my mind particularly that the one particular song i'm going to be ambiguous for the for the sake of it but that song particularly ever since i heard it it was a light bulb moment of that's the end of my show that's that's the song because when i heard it the whole like the whole narrative of it is yeah. just my lived experience mm. is so bang on yeah that it, it's it, the way it presented itself was so perfect yeah um yeah so this show has been percolate percolating for years and years and years but that being said the last couple of let's say six to eight weeks or so where it's kind of really been gaining momentum mm. the shifts and the adjustments have been coming somewhat not easily but instinctively you know and like my instinct for who I want to work with and who I want to talk to and who I want to share the process with, your responses have been really helpful and kind of key in me clarifying the ideas that I want to explore. Sure. And yeah, the the set list I think is wonderful. I, it's, I think it's a really lovely flow. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, which I'm super excited about. With a fair mix of ballads, which I know you love. Yes, and I feel like we've been able to find a way to make ballads not halt a momentum of the show, yeah. but rather like really capture the ballads in the best way possible. Yeah. But yeah. I'm I'm so excited to share it with. Like I've been receiving texts from people who are coming, and like as of recording, we are sold out. We, we are actually sold out. My client te- sent me a text to say she got the last two tickets and one of her friends, she's going to call tomorrow and see if they can put an extra stool at their table. Hey, so we're sold out. That's amazing. The show is sold out. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, what? <laughs> Isn't that crazy though? It's, like, it's amazing. It's so, so exciting. Yes. Um, to know that we will have a wonderful audience filled with so much love and people that are just excited to hear yeah it's very validating it is very validating that yeah that i i want to tell this story i want to share music and and share that part of me in a way that i haven't let myself a lot of the time yeah and it's being received it's wonderful it's magic
Well, I am very happy for you. And, Thank you. And, and not to, in a condescending way, but no. we're proud of you. you Thank know, you. It's, it's, a, it's an incredible thing that you've done. And to, you know, because I know this, you know, as you just said, this has been percolating, you mm. know, for quite a number of years. Yeah. And then to go, I'm going to do this thing, and now it's sold out. That's incredible. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for sharing it with me. I'm, I'm all the more emboldened to, to do the show because I know you're going to be there with me. I mean, thank you for sharing it with me. <laughs> well, absolutely. And the, the song you have written is so freaking good. I just can't wait to I'm be... I'm so chuffed that you right, like it. <laughs> I can't wait to be taking in people's faces while, it's, like, while we're doing it. People are going to be so into it. Oh, I mean, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, you know. I'm using that song in every freaking spot number I do from now on. <laughs> like, it's so. Because th- this is the thing. You captured, to my mind, and to everyone who has heard it, they go, wow, you've really captured this character. You've captured what Peppy is. Oh, that's really like all the light and the shade and the yeah, it's it's all there. It's sexy. Like, it's a it, really yeah, sexy I mean, song. Peppy is a Peppy is a sexy character. Get a bit of pep in your step. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I I uh, have been very chuffed that you you know like it as much as you do, and then yeah. the feedback. Uh, when you know you said that Brandon heard it for the first time the other day and, and he really liked it, you know that, yeah. that meant a lot as well because yeah. he's he's got quite a discerning yes eye and ears yeah so, absolutely yeah. Um, I did have to twist your arm a little bit into being involved though did I not not well not because I didn't want to it was more that I was I was when you, so <laughs> I guess for for context spur of the moment. Out of nowhere, I wrote a song for Mel. Um, the beauty of that, like when inspiration strikes, it's magic, isn't it? Where something yeah. kind of just pours from you and you're like, where the fuck did that come from? Every song I've written has been like that. Yeah. I have never been someone who has labored at songwriting, mm. which is why I haven't written that many songs, I guess. But sure. the songs that I have written have just come to me and then have just poured out. Right, mm-hmm. it's it's the process has been so easy, uh, which I suppose is a little bit lazy on my part, really. Not a, not at all, because that there is such craft in being able to be that conduit to creation. Like that's what every artist, which you are, has to try and find. Right, it's that ability to be able to tap into inspiration, but not mess with it as it's flowing. Because if when we try and edit it as it's happening, that's when we fuck it up. Mm. You know, I think it was John Lennon that talked about writing a song is like having a ghost in the room. You can see it in your peripheral vision, but if you look, it goes. Oh, that's actually a, a really interesting way to put it. Yeah, and I, like I feel that the the songs I am most happy with that I've ever written were like that. I I just sat at the piano. I was in a space. Yeah, and it just came out, and I was like, whoa. Yeah glad i was recording or whoa i need to do that again so i can capture it before i forget (laughs) you know and then obviously there's finessing and there's little swaps and changes and that kind of thing but the essence of the song kind of presents itself in those moments yeah well and i guess when i was writing that song for mel she was sharing all this stuff with me and i i guess maybe just enough of it sort of resonated with me that that something happened and it just triggered this 
idea and and anyway it just it just kind of it came out and I wrote that song um, and I you heard it I think a few times and then mm. you presented me with the idea and you said I would love for you at some point to write a song for Peppy and yeah. what what you're alluding to when you say that I wasn't initially you know he had to twist my arm a little bit to get on board it was not that I didn't want to write a song for Peppy it was just I was very daunted by the idea of trying to write something for that character, for that persona, right? Who you know that who Peppy to my mind is is this just kind of like this big, larger than life kind of character, which is what you've created. But at the same time, I was very daunted being a cishet man mm. trying to write a song. You know, trying to create an artistic expression for this queer character. Sure. And I didn't want to. I remember you get that wrong. Yeah. Again, yeah. A- absolutely. I remember you having, kind of clearing a couple of the lyric choices mm. with me. Which, the fact that you have that consideration is so much more than most people would have. But there was not a single thing in that song that was overstepping or misrepresentative or you making assumptions or anything like that. There was nothing that was untoward mm. in what you had created. Well, that's... that's it was good. just bang on. Um, but what what I meant by actually twisting your arm was I had to twist your arm into being involved in the show. Oh, well... <laughs> yes, uh, you, you, I will give you that one. Yes, that was a... That was an arm twist. Which, which again, is not because I don't want to. Mm. It's, you know, it's not that I don't want to... It's not that I don't want to help. It's you know, as you know, for me, it's a it's a confidence. Yeah, for sure. Thing. I don't see myself as a, I don't see myself as a performer at, at your level. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and I think the, I think the the thing with that is, to my mind, there is not there is not a hierarchy difference there. The only difference is that I do it for a living and you do it as a hobby, as a means of expression. But that doesn't place that on a lesser level in my mind. And also, I would never have asked you if I thought it was beyond you or if I thought that you couldn't do it, which is the same thing, but worded differently. <laughs> but, I've, but my cadence had indicated I had a second point, so I thought I would say it again. So you followed it through. Exactly. Well, and, uh, you know, as I've told you, to this point I, I appreciate your confidence and I, I hope that I don't fuck up the show <laughs> I, I don't imagine that you, you will um, at all um, which is different to not making mistakes because I will make mistakes and I'm, I already know I will and I already am at peace with that mistakes are going to happen Owen is going to make mistakes Owen is not going to make mistakes, let's be honest. <laughs> no, he will. He, he absolutely will. But this is, this is the thing, though, and I think this is the differentiation, and this is not about you specifically, but just one of the key differences is making peace with the fact that mistakes are going to happen. Mm. It's never going to be perfect. Yeah. It's impossible. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. The difference is how you respond and roll with it yeah. rather than let it throw a spanner in the works and like, let it fluster you. Yeah. Because the thing with a mistake is you can... And like this is how discoveries are made. Like there's that line in, um, in Next to Normal where it's like you're making things up and, he, and Henry's response is also known as the act of creation. You know. <laughs> it's, it's also a line from the Book of Mormon. 
Beautiful. <laughs> Great. Making things up again, Arnold. Sorry. I didn't have to... I did not have to throw that in there, and yet I did. No, 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 I'm, I'm here for it. It just serves to illustrate the point, though. <laughs> but mistakes are going to happen. I'm definitely going to make mistakes. Owen is definitely going to hit a few, hit a few wrong notes. or you know, it's, it's just inevitable, and that is not a value judgment on any of us. We'll just keep going, and most of the time the audience is going to have absolutely no clue. Yeah, yeah. And that's the hardest discrepancy to bridge is like, I know I fucked it up. Yeah, I think Great. it's the thing that, you know what? The... I'm doing an arrangement of the song. You don't know what I intended. <laughs> I meant to sing the first verse three times. The Fuck off. That, the thing that freaks me out is not that I will screw something up. The thing that freaks me out is that I'll screw something up and it'll throw you because... But that's on me, not you. Well, if But seriously, though, that's, that's on me, not you. Because I should be able to roll with whatever... Inverted commas. I should be able to roll with whatever happens. I've dealt with accompanists who completely lose their place. In my graduating recital of VCA, the page turner for my accompanist turned the page and the whole score fell off the piano. The accompaniment dropped off and my accompanist was just going by memory while the page turner freaked out and tried to find the right page and put the music back up. I just had to keep going. Yeah. I can't stop and turn, fix it, start again. Yeah. You just have to roll with it. Yeah. Did, is it ideal? No. <laughs> But it's fine. It, it is what it is. Fair enough. And this is the beauty of live performance, is that that moment only exists then. That is, in a way, a gift for the audience. You know, think about some... Uh, have you seen theatre when it goes slightly wrong and you kind of get a good laugh from the way that the cast kind of respond and roll with it and keep going? Yes. Yeah. What a joy that brings to be like, I just witnessed something that wasn't meant to happen that only happened for me. That is a, an incredibly optimistic, beautiful way to look at it. I like to think so. Some moment. gentle little simmer do you like robust and we're back to wine sorry patty <laughs> back to music back to music let's let's explore let's dive a little deeper um now that we're comfortable how did you find music and how did you I'm, I'm interested in not just how you found it, but in how you found it to the extent where you went, this is, this is what I want to do with my life. This is my life's work. That side of things kind of found me. Okay. I started piano lessons because of my best friend in junior school. Like he and I started piano, like piano classes, like a big group piano class at about mm. age four. Um, so I was there for two or three years mm -hmm. and then I started getting private lessons on piano then when I was how old was I year four no year five so I would have been ten so when I was ten I through through junior school we all had to pick an instrument for for grade five and six music yeah and so I was actually away from school the week that it had picked 
when I had wanted to to learn saxophone, but because I was away when I got back, I had the choice of euphonium or oh, what? a euphonium, which is a brass instrument. I've never heard of that before. It's kind of like, imagine, it's halfway between, uh, do you know what like a horn is? Like a little upright kind of, no? Yes, David, I know what a horn is. Okay, well, <laughs> excuse me, sorry. So it's halfway between a horn and a tuba. Okay. So it's kind of the mid-range instrument between that in terms of tone color. So it's like the tenor instrument sure. of a brass band. or a, And it's also in um, orchestral music. Like in, in an sure. orchestra situation, euphoniums are one of the brass instruments along with French horns and trombones sure. usually. Okay. Um, you can put any instrument in any orchestra. Don't fight me. Um, <laughs> but... Don't at me, bitches. So, so I had the choice of euphonium or percussion. Sure. And while percussion, I thought, could be fun, I, I genuinely remember having this thought. I was like, that'll be a bit of a bludge. Because I'll be standing at the back hitting something with a mallet. And I already know piano, so I won't be learning the instrument. I will be playing piano with sticks. Sure. Because it would be marimba. Yeah. Uh, or glockenspiel or that sort of thing. So mm. I chose euphonium. And through that, I ended up getting connected with a local brass band, the Launceston Railway Silver Band in Launceston, mm. um, of which my grandfather was drum major for. And that's the thing you have in your studio. Then. That's yeah. the thing, yeah. yeah. And after I joined, mum joined and became the secretary. Right. Um, so there were three generations of us associated to the band. Very nice. Yeah. So I was with them all the way through high school until I moved to Melbourne. When I was, I want to say 14 or 15, I started studying bass guitar as well, um, like getting private lessons outside of school. Mm-hmm. And I've always been involved in school choir. I've always been involved in the bands associated to school, which I know is a luxury that not all schools offer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was very fortunate um, in that, uh, in that I was able to pursue that. Yeah, and so music has always kind of been there in many facets i didn't come to solo singing really until high school because i just didn't have the confidence for it sure and my first solo performance i suppose was the school musical where i accidentally got cast as the lead as the beast as the beast in beauty and the beast yeah yeah because um, I was accompanying auditions and then the musical director after someone's audition, I think it was my friends who I was accompanying. Um, she was like, all right, David, no, you can audition. I was like, oh no, I'm not auditioning. I'm just, she's like, no, you, you can sing something. I've heard you singing and playing, play. So I sang the Jackson five. I'll be there. <laughs> yeah. And I bloody got cast. <laughs> and I didn't realize, cause I wrote the whole thing off. I was like, that was abysmal. That's not going to happen. Yeah. And I was passing one of my school friends, Bronwyn, in the Launceston Mall. I was walking with Dad. He was visiting from Sydney. And she was... No, from Macau at that stage. Dad lived in Macau. It doesn't matter. Nobody gives a shit. Um, <laughs> anyway, Bronwyn saw me in the mall and she was like, oh, congratulations. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, haven't you seen the, the, the list? I was like, what list? She was like, you're the beast. All the blood rushed from my face. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> um, so that that happened. So that was how I kind of started gaining confidence. And that's when I started my own 
singing lessons. Right. Um, and loved it. Yeah. Immediately really enjoyed it. Um, and through that time, I had already started teaching instruments. Um, like I was teaching piano and bass guitar and brass after school a couple of nights a week. So you were a, a child prodigy, really, when it came uh, to... No, I, I wouldn't say that because I I look at... See, even that, that that's actually a dangerous slope because I don't want to diminish myself in that way um, because comparison is the thief of joy. Yes. I'm not going to compare myself to other piano players, but I do not feel like... Yeah, I, I wouldn't use the word prodigy. I would not use the word prodigy. But, but, you but I can turn... Yeah, you I understood the language of music. Yeah. yeah. There are those that understand it far more than I am. I will watch a Jacob Collier um, video on, on YouTube and he will talk about harmonic structure and, and music theory. And I can follow him most of the way and then it just goes yeah. off the planet. I'm like... Oh, but I love that. I love the fact that I don't know. Yeah. Even like I barely scratched the surface of all the potential that's there. And this is why the way I kind of musically direct, particularly shows like Bowie Ball, where it's I'm getting to collaborate with musicians and it's not a set score. It's more kind of like, here's a song we need to create. Yeah. I generally start with just lead sheet form, send it out to everybody, go, here's the form, here's the key. Yeah. I want you all to play. Yeah. Because I love taking on board what everybody else is doing. Yeah, That, for me, is the most exciting thing. Rather than me dictating to all these people who are proficient in their own instruments. Yeah, because uh, that's not creation, is it? Like, no, you're, you're exactly. you with these other artists. Exactly. Yeah. That, and that's my kind of... Um, that That's what I enjoy in, in that respect. I'm a little all over the place in this story. But, yeah, I wouldn't say prodigy. Um, I, I can turn my hand to between 15 to 20 instruments that I can play. Wow. But I don't see that as a, a as particularly anything because some but some of that is so transferable from one instrument to the next. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? I mean it was a bit like when because I've played guitar from the time I was 14 years old and I'm, hmm. you know, I, you're very good. I'm I'm <laughs> No, but like I cannot pick up a guitar and play the way you do so when you uh when you downplay how good you are are there players who are i don't know inverted commas better or more advanced or whatever sure but i watch what i watch you play and i'm going that's what i wish i could do with the guitar yeah i I, can't do it what i would say if i sat down and like spent the next couple of years nutting away at it nutting away at it (laughs) that's how i get most of my work done i just (laughs) Nut one out and pray. <laughs> ah, don't we all? Um, what I would say with my guitar playing is that I, I feel, because I've been playing for 26 years now. Oh my okay. God, 26. Because I, I got my first guitar for my 14th birthday. Beautiful. So turning 40 this year, mm. that's, that's 26 years. So, um, Math. I'll agree. Yes, yes. Congratulations. That checks out. <laughs> um so I feel like I've I've found my voice with that instrument. Like I I know what I sound like when I play it, and I it's a really I'm, powerful thing when you find your sound with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm happy with what I am able to produce when I do it the way I want to. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Um, 
but getting to the transferable thing from one instrument one instrument to the next is I've never tried to play anything else. I've had well, I started on drums when I was thirteen. Yeah. My grandfather gave me his drum kit for my thirteenth birthday. Cool. Had that for a year. And for my 14th birthday, my parents were like, something quieter. <laughs> so uh, sure. I got the guitar uh, and I started learning that. And yeah. I loved the guitar. Mm. Um, but I never tried to play anything else. Sure. And then Benji, when he, my son, when he uh, was started at this school where he is now, they had him playing the ukulele in mm. his music classes. And he would come home and he would show me the sort of simplistic thing. And I, and I went, I was looking at what he was doing and I went, I could, I've never tried to play any other instrument and mm. playing a ukulele is not the same as playing guitar, but, sure. but it's, it's like same, same, trans- but different. There are transferable skills. It's different hand positions. Yeah. But like the chord structures are different. The yes. tuning is all different. It's only four strings instead of six. Yeah. But I sat down with the ukulele and I could immediately just play it. You could figure it out. Yeah. yeah so yeah, I, I get yeah. The whole point of that story was I get what you mean. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. The, the I, one piece of the puzzle that I, I kind of left out is that my mum, I grew up in the Presbyterian church, as you know, mum started to play the drums and was part of the 5 p.m. worship service music team. Yeah. And I would play bass guitar. Yeah. And I later then moved to when their musical director moved away, moved yeah. to another congregation, I believe. Um, I took over the piano. And, but mum played the drums, and at one stage we had a couple of different kits in the house. And at one stage in particular, we had this fantastic seven-piece drum set set up, and I would get all the cymbals from all three kits yeah. and set them up in the spare room. Yeah. And I would sit there like some sort of rock drummer <laughs> and just be like Phil Collins. Like three, sorry, Eddie, and like three floor toms and like six tom toms on top of the double kick and the snare. And I just loved it so much. And I used to I used to jam with uh, yeah. some of my friends on the street I grew up, because right. um, they played guitar and bass, and so we would play Green Day, and that's how that's why yes. I love Green Day. I love Green Day. Like that was almost exclusively what we played. We learned the the American Idiot album or Bullet in the Bible, the live show. Right. We learned that show, beginning to end by ear. We just figured it out, yeah, and played it. Well, that's that's how I learned to play guitar because I never had any lessons or anything like that. But I which was... is why when I um, what's the song called Brain Stew? Is it? Yeah, yeah. Like I made it's an obscure reference and very few people pick up. But when all I did on Fortnite was I went and you were with me. I was like, the fuck? I'm not surprised because I know you love Green Day, but I was just like... And because you and I also are always thinking the same thing at the same time. Horrifying sometimes, is it not? Um... So you got a drum kit when you were 13? Yeah, my grandfather gave me his um, his drum kit when I for my 13th birthday. So cool. It was, yeah, especially because I know how much that kit meant to mm. him. It was 
beautiful. They were extremely well-made, high-quality drums, which mm. I didn't know or appreciate at the time. Mm. Um, and, of course, I treated them like shit because I was a teenager and sure. I just wanted to bang on them and play heavy yeah. metal. Yeah, and the drums, too. Yeah, well, yes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I got those when I was 13, and um, I got them in part because... My best friend in school uh, had started learning how to play guitar, and we were both really uh, into the same music in school. Um, and so we thought, you know, well, you've got a guitar, I'll get some drums, and we'll we'll make a band. Mm. And so we never made a band, but we did. Uh, I brought my drum kit around to his place, and we set it up in his garage. And the two of us, after school, would go to his house, and we would just sound terrible together in his garage that's the best though it like, was the best just jamming like that and actually w when benji has been showing interest in playing that drum pad and yeah. and so i genuinely mean it and i i would love to to have him round and just have a jam session sometime when you guys come around I, I that would just be so much fun we really should set that up because he he so often when i'm out there trying to play something he'll come out and he'll grab his ukulele and he'll come out and he'll try to play along that's he'll, beautiful he'll turn it over and start banging on the back of it like drums yeah yeah it yeah it's i mean and josh has been working on his guitar on and off um as well and like we've had a couple of kind of faux jam sessions as well yeah and maybe the, I'm not trying to put this upon you, but maybe having another guitarist, like having a guitarist in the room. Yeah. Cause I can play some chords. Sure. And I can help him with like the rhythm and here's where, here's where the changes are. Yeah. Here's what the pace and the, the pulse is, but you will probably be able to give him more helpful adjustments that, that will kind of make it more fluid. But I, I would love that. Yeah, I mean, I would love that too, mm. yeah. And and I suppose because I have never had any lessons, I've never learned how to, I guess, play quote-unquote properly. Mm. Um, you know, I don't know how much I would be able to teach properly, but the, the way that I have managed to learn so much over the course of the years is just literally by seeing other guitarists and yeah. watching what their hands do. And yes. Like, okay, well, I'll copy that. Exactly. Yeah, so. Yeah. So much of it is trial and error and yeah. just... Figuring it out, even even when you know the theory of it. This is and this is a disconnect that I often encounter with clients when it comes to singing. Is they say, "Oh, I I can't read music," mm. and they're like, "Is that a problem?" And you know, no, it's not on its face on face value. No, it's not. Would certain things be easier if you could read music? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, things will be easier, but it's not an insurmountable task. Yeah. Not being able to read music develops other skills as a as a musician. Sure, you know I'm not putting that on you specifically. I'm no, not no, saying, yeah. But I'm just because it means you have to listen. It means you build this instinct between your ear and your instrument yeah. to be able to figure it out. And you go, oh no, that sounds out by about this much, and you can adjust. Yeah, and that's not necessarily something that people who learn from a theoretical base develop that skill as, yeah. as much it's 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 that's actually, benefits to both sides yeah and it's an interesting an interesting point because if i want to learn how to play a particular song i will often go to a like a website like um ultimate guitar which has tablature for mm. you know every song under the sun basically yeah. but the problem is it's all users. Are so annoying yes they are 
Um, but it's all user-submitted stuff yeah. that's on their website, right? So it's like the Wikipedia of mm. guitar tablature, which means you'll very often go on there and you'll find uh, someone who's you know done the chord structure or something like that, and you can play it and you go, this is completely wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or the progression is right, but the key is definitely wrong. Yes. Or, you know, and so when you... I guess I, I'm happy enough with the way I've developed my ear that I can pick that up. Like I can, yeah. I can go and like, I can go to a website like that and I can see the way somebody's done a tab and I can go, oh, this tab's not right. But there might be something there that gives me a clue as to a way that I can play something in a better way than I might've just been able to pick it up and do it myself. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, anyway. Um, yes. When I was a kid, when I was seven, when I was seven or younger, <laughs> when I was just a fetus. So, music was ubiquitous. Um, For the audience members that don't know what that word means, <laughs> uh, it was everywhere all the time. Yeah, it like my mother always had the radio on uh, when we were in the car, when we were at home. Didn't matter when or what we were doing. There was just always music. Mm. My father had drawers full of old 45 records. He had eight-track tapes. Um, my mother had cassettes that she liked to listen to in the car, and you know sometimes we put them on at home and stuff like that. And because there was so much music playing all the time, always country music. Yeah. Because uh, that's what I grew up on. Yeah. I love country music. I love it too. It, I mean, it gets a bad rap, and I know there's some shit country music. Out there's there. a lot of shit country music, <laughs> but some there's of it. something about it that, like, really, I know, and I know this is an objective statement, but some really good, just good country music hits different. It hits you in your soul. It's really funny you say that because there's a there's a podcast that I. Absolutely love. Matter of fact, it was the first podcast I ever started listening to. Oh yeah, um, it's called Revisionist History. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And and so there was an episode in the very first season of Revisionist History um, where um, uh, Malcolm Gladwell, who's the host, hmm. he covered country music, which I thought was a bit odd because hmm. he, being such a, a, a kind of a wanky intellectual, I just didn't expect him to be into country music. Sure, but he really loves it. And uh, he did this whole episode on why he thinks, because he said the same thing, why does country music hit so much differently than other music? Yeah. And he did this whole episode on, on his theories about why that was. And I won't go into that. If you want to find out what his theories were, then listen to that. by all means, go and listen to the episode. It's a very good episode. But anyway, um, I, I think for me anyway, and I didn't start to get more eclectic with my music taste until I got into high school and, and I figured out that country music was not going to make me popular with anyone. <laughs> so I started listening to other things. Right. Uh, much to the chagrin of my family. So uh, music was just everywhere all the time. And because it was constantly playing, I was constantly singing. And I knew the words back to front to every single song that came on the radio. And it got to be that my family would start to make me perform. Like we'd, you know, we'd be at someone's house and they'd be talking about me and they'd go, oh, he, can, he, he knows the words to every single, somebody turn the radio on and he'll sing along with whatever songs on the radio and they would do it. And of course, I was a kid and I was full of 
performative, sure. you know, yeah. I guess, vigor. So I would be like, ah, oh, yes, I do know the words to every song. And so I would do that. Um, and then I, uh, I took that to school. I, I was in the choir uh, when I was in primary school. And then when I got to sixth grade, there was a, uh, there was some kind of a, I, I can't actually, because I was very young at the time, I can't really remember how it came about, but my sixth grade teacher had said to me that uh, they were putting this national choir together and that he had selected me. I can't remember if I had to audition or not. I was, uh, it was too long ago. I can't really remember. But anyway, I somehow got selected along with another girl uh, in my class to form this national choir. And we, uh, we went with the music teacher and our school principal, and we got on a train, we took the train to Washington, D.C., and we formed this, we spent a week in Washington, D.C., rehearsing with this choir of other kids from schools all over the country. That's cool. And, you know, we were singing these crazy songs like I had never been exposed to before. But the idea was we were going to go to this church in Washington, and we were going to be singing for President Clinton, wow. who was in office at the time. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, we rehearsed with the whole choir that week and then we went to this church and uh, we were meant to be performing for the president but he didn't turn up so yeah, we never we never got to perform in front of him we just performed in front of the rest of the audience which was you know various politicians and sure. dignitaries and all that mm. kind of thing but it was a really cool experience to Amazing. be yeah, sent to Washington and, and you know do that singing and I have such fond memories of junior school and high school when we would go on different school trips uh, like music trips specifically whether it was music camp so once a year we would go away for a weekend Mm. on music camp yeah and in later high school if i remember correctly music camp was actually during the week we would go on a monday and come back on the friday it's music but make it camp but i have so many fond memories oh and like going to a steadfords which are like a uh, like competitions, yeah, just yeah, in yeah. case you weren't familiar with the, the word. Well, like, uh, because here I'm told this, I, this was not a word that I ever encountered. Before. I believe it's a, a British word. Okay, because they call it a Rockestedford here, and I don't know why they call it that. So Rockestedford is a is a slightly different thing, but it, it it's still like a huge, brilliant event of like a culminative choral dance like spectacular for schools to to spectacular spectacular the words are so vernacular can describe (laughs) this great event you'll be dumb with wonderment (laughs) quoting Moulin Rouge I know that film back to front Um, they're coming back the Melbourne uh, so Moulin Rouge the musical once it's gone elsewhere is coming back in August 2023 right back to the regent I have not seen it, so I should. You probably... need to see it. I need to see it. Is it is a feast for the senses. I need to see Hamilton because I have yep. not seen Hamilton. Okay. And a couple of years ago, uh, when Hamilton first opened in Sydney, mm-hmm. uh, the, the the original Australian production opened in Sydney. Um, a friend of mine who was living in WA at the time what? sent me a, yes what? <laughs> sent me a message and said, "Hey, I've got two tickets to see Hamilton in Sydney." Um, you know, you've done so much for me over the course of the past oh, that's you know, nice. time. Can I take you to, to go and see Hamilton? And I was like, I would absolutely love that. But 
my wife would really love it even more. Um, and she's, I think Claire had, was having a bit of a rough time at the at the time, and right. like she just she could have used a nice weekend away. And right. I was like, oh, you know, we, this would be great. We could send her to Sydney for a weekend and pamper, and she'd stay at a nice hotel and at mm. restaurants and everything like that. And so I was like, well, why don't you take Claire instead? And um, and then and so that's what she did. And so Claire had this incredible weekend away in Sydney where they stayed in like a five-star hotel and they had the best beautiful food and drinks and they went to see the show and, mm. um, and yeah so anyway I still haven't seen it but I, I need to That's right, Steadfords and, and competitions and, and traveling to DC for you. Um, mm. But it, it is such a remarkable experience sharing that kind of thing. And it, it really, you know, um, you have that shared experience with the, with your fellow students. And like, even if you're, you know, they're not part of your friend group or anything, you have this thing in common that you're all working on. Yeah. And you get to go on a school trip specifically for that thing that you do that not everybody can do yeah it's really cool yeah it's It's, fun it's a really fun experience yeah especially at that age i think because you know it's once you're at an age where you start to travel a bit with that kind it's like those teenage years where you're starting to really develop a sense of self you're starting to come into your independence that time with your with your peers yeah where it's just you and your friends kind of away from your parents is that those those initial sort of liberating experiences That's interesting i hadn't thought of it that way it makes for such cogent memories you know like <laughs> okay <laughs> cogent of an argument or case clear logical and convincing sure <laughs> That's what that word means, apparently. I had not heard cogent before. Well, there you go. What was the other one? Ubiquitous. Yeah. I have heard that word, but I never knew exactly what it meant. Like, I, I never knew the definition of it. I just assumed that it meant yeah. it was kind of like it was... Everywhere. It's one of those words that's kind of around everywhere all the time. Oh, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's three words. That's three, like, good words we've had today. Because chagrin was the other one, which I do know what it means. But do you know what's going to happen now is that we're going to go and do the Wordle tonight and neither one of us is going to get it because we've had these good words during the day. I have only ever failed at one. I've only... Same, and I was fucking I know, curious. and like it comes up now with the 99% accuracy and it's like... Yeah. <sighs> anyway. Anyway. I have always found and I, I'm interested to see if this is... I'm interested to see if this is your take as well. But, right. And, uh, you know, maybe this even relates back to um, what we were just saying a few minutes ago about country music specifically because that's yeah. what I grew up with. But I think particularly... I'm, I'm, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm reaching out on a limb here, but, you know, being raised as a, as a male where, you know, men were, you know, were not allowed to be sort of openly emotional... Mm. You know, we can't be really sentimental and touchy-feely. I found that music allowed me to feel things that I was not able to feel. And whether that's just because I wasn't 
mentally aware enough, whether it was because of societal pressures, whatever the case may be. I don't really know. Yeah. But I was able to feel things through music that I was not able to feel any other way. Mm-hmm. And whether it was listening to a piece of classical music and hearing like a, a, a pianist turn of phrase, you know, that was just particularly beautiful, mm. or whether it was song lyrics that really touched me in a way that I, I in a way that I could never have been able Inexpli- to articulate yeah, myself. Inexplicably resonated. Yeah. Yes. You I know, hear you. It was that kind of thing that connected me to music in such a deep way that I, 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 I think I just, I felt that it was something that I needed to just carry with me all the time. Yeah. I, I guess I'm probably describing the experience of the vast majority of people. But. I mean, yes and no. That, but that's the, isn't that the beauty of it? Even I, I'm not going to make too fine a point on it. But isn't that the beautiful experience of it that as specific and personal to you as it is, that's what allows it the kind of the universality of that's what everybody gets from it is it's that deeply personal yeah individual relationship to it and it's so funny too because it, it <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't have to be so using the example and i think we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago from memory but mm. the song so big so small from mm. dear evan hansen yeah right? oh i have it. literally never never not one time been able to listen to that song mm. without breaking into tears yeah and it's not something that relates to me personally i've never sure. been in that scenario yeah. i've it's it's not something that is um but there is something sorry to cut you off but there is something within the emotion of that piece there is something within the context of that piece that is so specific yes that what she is experiencing and expressing hits your humanity yeah that you connect not to the experience, but the humanity of that moment. That's so funny that you say that because that episode of um, revisionist history that I was talking about. Yeah. That's the word that Malcolm Gladwell uses. Right. Specificity. It's the speci- the specificity of the song. Yeah. That makes us connect to it. Yeah. Because you can hear other songs. Yeah. That use lyrics that are you know less specific more ambiguous more you know you could say artistic but because they are a little more let's say esoteric we don't connect to them in such a human way whereas something that is specific and simple and human yeah it just it can really pierce straight through to the heart absolutely yeah the there's a country song by um kenny chesney that i've talked to you about this before yes yeah um that Josh and I were just, we were on a road trip or we were driving home from somewhere and it was like a long drive. Yeah. So like, let's put Spotify on. What are you in the mood for? Oh, I don't really want to listen to pop. And God, I don't want to listen to musical theater. <laughs> put on some country. And this Kenny Chesney song came on called Don't Blink. Yeah. I legitimately nearly had to pull over because I was crying. And Josh was crying as well. <laughs> We'd never heard this song before. But the chorus, I've got the lyrics up in front of me because I want to share this. The lyrics are, don't blink. Just like just that, you're like six, that, years you're old. six years old. And you take a nap yes. and you wake up and you're 25. And your high school sweetheart becomes your wife. Don't, don't blink. blink. You just might miss your babies growing like mine did. And... Turning into moms and dads, next thing you know, 
your better half of 50 years is there in bed. And you're praying God takes you instead. Trust me, friend, a hundred years goes faster than you think. So don't blink. I... <laughs> Sorry. Like, no, even now, I'm like, I well up. Mm. Because that is just, it's the specificity. Mm. That hits. Just so, like, I'm not a father, but I get that sentiment of... You're going to blink and suddenly you're in the next chapter of your life. Yeah. And then you're going to blink and then the next chapter of your life. And then all of a sudden you're at journey's end. Yeah. And your best friend, your partner, your whoever that person is, whoever those people are in yeah. your life are going to go before you. Yeah. And just the, the reality of that, that it's going to happen. Yeah. And maybe it'll be us before them. And it's just the impact of that is just so... <laughs> the impact of that is so impactful. <laughs> I really stitched myself on that one. But it's such a... The, yeah, the, the lyrics of that song are just so beautiful. Yeah, I love to listen to country music still. Mm. Um, like when I'm out in the shop working, building something, when mm. I'm you know, just sort of puttering around, I will put some country radio on in my ears. and it's You still, listen with your ears. I do, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah which I know is uh, it's a little radical. Yeah. But uh, I recommend it. How, how long have you been doing that? Uh, I've started experimenting with it uh, just sort of in the last couple of years because okay. it, was, it was something that I read on the internet that people were doing and I was like, oh, it sounds a little crazy. But so where what? did you previously um, pick up the good vibrations? Um, I would tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> But there, yeah, there, there is something about the way music connects people, which is, is such a vague comment. <laughs> no, but it's, I mean, yes, it's vague, but it's, it's also absolutely true. I mean, you know, I even, I even remember when I was in high school, you know, I, I, I got to that age where the music that you listened to determined how popular you could be in school. Oh, what so a conflation. You, yeah. So if you didn't listen to the right kind of music, and I, as I said, I've grown up on country music, yeah. so suddenly I turned 13, 14 years old, and I am a social pariah, because all I'd ever listened to was country all music. All the words today. Yes, social pariah. <laughs> Here for it. Um, but yeah, so now, in order to be popular, well, let's face be it, I was, I was never popular. Pop, you, lar... Um, You're gonna be really popular. La Lar. la la. <laughs> um, I hate it. <laughs> in order to uh, at least make myself socially acceptable, right. I needed to start listening to more popular music. And so at the time, the people I was hanging out with, it was like alternative rock of the sort of early to mid 90s. Right. Uh, so the Nirvanas and the Sound Gardens and the Stone Temple Pilot, like Pearl Jam, you know, that was the music that was super popular at the yeah. time for my cohort. Um, my favorite Pearl Jam song, not to not to disrupt the point you're making, no, my favorite please. Pearl Jam song, I discovered through mentioning it to you, yeah. was not even a Pearl Jam song. There was oh. one that they covered. Oh, the old 50s song. Yeah. Oh, where, oh, where can my baby be? Yeah, that's a I love song. that song. 
But um, I've only ever heard Pearl Jam's version. The funniest thing is that my favorite Pearl Jam song is a song called Yellow Lead Better. And you cannot yeah. understand a single <laughs> word in the song. It goes like, I want to feel it on a horse I know a song and not understand a word. Yeah, can I buy a consonant? Um, <laughs> yeah. It's just a vowel movement. But it's such a pretty song. I even mean, like, yeah, I know exactly what the song you're talking about. Absolutely. Yeah, even though I couldn't understand it, I was like, oh, that slaps. There's a, there's a, oh no, I'm, I'm thinking of a different band now. I'm thinking of Motorhead. Are you um, familiar with Motorhead? So I should be familiar with Motorhead. I'm not, but I should be because Motorhead was a huge influence for Metallica. Interesting. And Metallica was the first band that I got into right. outside of country music. See, I only discovered who Motorhead were because they did some of the theme songs, some of the entry songs for <laughs> some of the entry songs for the WWE wrestlers. Oh. So okay. they did um, so they did Triple H's theme tune, which is reasons we can't play this song like what a what a dirty jam yes i mean so yeah i listening to that i can get where metallica would have uh found that influence absolutely and they also went on to play uh randy orton triple h and rick flair and the three of them were evolution okay right and this was their theme tune reasons we can't play this song <laughs> oh, okay his voice that's a cool voice it's a really cool voice so yeah and like I would never have found Motorhead but I downloaded a whole bunch of their songs after um, hearing Play the Game right okay and Line in the Sand is the, the name of that song yeah and a whole bunch of other, like Ace of Spades and like they're so cool. Yeah, right. So much just like, ugh. And that's the thing, is that I found, because it's not something I ever would have come to, I think, organically, other than, you know, it was a social pressure to get into other kinds of music. Sure. And so I started listening to, initially, like, metal and alternative rock, and I found, I found it cathartic. Yes. For a, for a teenage boy to, you know, get that sort of... Because, you know, I think especially if you live in a household where you've got a lot of strict parentage, and I'm, yeah. I'm sure it's, you know, it's different for everyone, but, you know, my mother was quite a strict person, and it was, yeah. you know, her way was the highway. It was, it was her way or the highway, I should say. And so I was able to sort of get a lot of that teenage aggression out through, you know, this music, and, yeah. which is probably really a healthy way to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. I definitely had that phase. I was ne- I never really went through like an emo phase no neither did I um, but I listened to Motorhead I listened to Pearl Jam I listened to um, Green Day Green Day yeah. and I listened to AFI AFI yes right? I was like their song Miss Murder was my jam right bum 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 for legal reasons we can't play this song <laughs> 
<laughs> Actually, on on a screaming section, have you ever heard a song uh, by by the Foo Fighters called Monkey Wrench? Yes. Okay. You know, the screaming bit in Monkey Wrench? Yes. I have never in my life been able to figure out how on earth it was humanly possible for Dave Grohl to have the lung capacity to get that whole thing out. Because as many times as I have tried to sing along with that song, mm. I cannot do it. I cannot get that out. And especially when you're screaming like that. So uh, what you're touching on is actually something that I spend the majority of my lessons with people oh, doing. Yeah. Because So there, there is a discrepancy between perceived effort mm. and perceived lung capacity yeah. and actual effort and actual lung capacity. So you can mask it. You're not even masking it. The reality of creating these sounds that sound so like pushed and raw and driven yeah. are so light and just so specifically placed. Yeah. It's massive deception. Like a reference that I use a lot is that John Farnham, if you take... So John Farnham singing You're the Voice, say as sure. an example. Yeah. You take his mic away, he's not loud. That voice that he has yeah. that just fills a stadium... Yeah. It's an amplified art form. His voice is placed so specifically. John Stevens, the same thing. That's it's not a name I know. Oh, John Stevens. Uh, so my introduction to John Stevens was when he played Judas opposite John Farnham. Ah, uh, in the in Jesus Christ of, yeah, Superstar, yeah, right? Yeah. Ripper voice. Okay. A phenomenal voice. Right. Um, oh, can I play you a little? I mean, please. Reasons we can't play this song. Right, okay. Oh, it's so, just. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> so the point of that is that. He's, his... not deci- he's not decibel loud. Right. He is resonance. Okay, pinging, I can. And the actual texture that you hear, while it sounds guttural is actually not at the level of the folds. It's just above the vocal folds. Yeah, so it's safe. I, I think I understand what you're saying because there is... There's a difference between perceived effort and actual effort. Yeah. Like yeah. So, so on a parallel, when people come to me wanting to learn how to belt... Yeah. The, I mean, I'm giving away trade secrets here. <laughs> the biggest misconception is that belting is your chest voice up the octave. Physiologically impossible. Your modal voice stops at a certain point. You can't take it higher than physiologically possible. It becomes the head voice because you've taken it up in the scale. This is the thing. But most people, because belt, inverted commas, as a colour, has a a speech quality to it sometimes, Mm -hmm. has a chest voice quality to it, people conflate the two. And as a result, when they try to first access it, they take their chest voice, they try and push their modal voice, their thickest vocal folds, up high. Does that make sense? I mean, and you're, so that you're, be- I'm sure. out of my depth in this, but sure. yeah. So, but as a result, the effort is huge. Sure. But then that becomes the association because right. that's what they associate to trying to belt is this whole uh, effort. A, a true belt should be effortless. It should be clean, balanced, yeah. because the restriction is happening at the level of the folds. Yeah. Like it I, should I, not be muscular. Yeah. Like I, I can belt. Mm. And when I, I, I always feel really good about myself when I've 
when I've done this nice clean belt because I can do it and it feels like I'm doing nothing at all. Yes. It's so easy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That, coming back to um, Dave Grohl, yeah. that's how he does that. Okay. It's a specific coordination that you land right smack bang in the middle of it and this sound comes ripping out. Right. But you're just sitting there at a comfy like 30, 40% capacity just feeding this one spot, just a nice gentle stream of air that sounds like fucking give, 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 give. I wonder if I... It's fascinating. And because it's different for every instrument where that sweet spot is. And that's where a person's individual vocal technique lives. Can I try it? Please. Sorry, kids. (laughs) No, no, I'm not going to scream it. What I'm going to try to do is exactly what you've just said. Okay. Shall we have the original just to... Well, no, no. I'm I'm just going to do it from memory. Okay. But I'm going to try to... I'm going to try to emulate the, the, the tonal quality, the vocal quality, okay. which I, I, I mean, I'm not going to be able to do Dave Grohl, obviously, but I'm going to try and do many something have like tried. it. Yeah. Many have tried. <laughs> not many have succeeded at this no. one. <laughs> um, I'm going to try to do that, and okay. I'm, going to see if I can, I'm going to see if I can push this through for as long as this goes. All right. Okay. One last thing before I quit. No, I'm gone there. I've run out of air. Right. And I've still got ages to go. Right. So now I want to hear it just as a reference. Okay. Bum, 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 for legal reasons we can't play this song. Yeah. And that I mean, tails off for ages as yeah. well. I mean, that's a really clean scream. Like, wh- where he's placing that is really, like, bang on. That's a really good place for this guy. I mean, are we surprised? <laughs> but, yeah, he's just, he's riding a really efficient spot of right. his voice. I, I'm not so familiar with his voice that I can go into more detail. Yeah. But, but in terms of the placement, it, he's riding the one spot. Right, okay. And it's well. and it's not a whole bunch of like reapproaching the note. It's actually staying on the one level and yeah. just tapping it right until that very last that, bit where it becomes yeah. that sort of. But what I mean is the way, even as you demonstrated, it would have been. It's yeah. like reapproaching. Yeah. Rather than all on one lovely lateral yeah. plane. Yeah. And just. Da, da, I can imagine he would have been working coach to to get that bit from absolutely him. Yeah. or just by trial and error he while they were constructing the song he was like hey i've just stumbled across this pocket of my voice yeah i can just sit here for fucking 16 bars <laughs> what, a, what a dickhead what a <laughs> prick anyway anyway It is amazing, isn't it? And look, I, I mean, this is a this is a, a rough segue, but I think going back to to what you were saying about how music, as men, um, we're less encouraged to be in touch with our emotions and to be emotional beings. Yeah. Um, music allows us that in, as you were saying. Mm. Um, I experienced that just this afternoon when I was practicing for the show on Friday. Yeah. Um, I had this moment after I'd received the email saying that we were nearly sold out. Yeah. I was sitting there going through my two songs at the end of Act Two 
that, that are self-accompanied. So I was just playing those, running them together. And I got into the second song and it struck me of who's going to be in that audience and just how supportive and how much love there's going to be in that room yeah. that I'm actually going to be able to share this unapologetically without feeling like I'm being self-indulgent, that I'm actually going to just be able to be open yeah. and go, here I am. And, to tell, and that that's going to be received. Yeah, and to tell such a personal story. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I got really emotional. Like I was, I was playing the song. I couldn't finish the second song oh. because I was thinking of what that moment is going to be like. Yeah. That if I open my eyes and I look out, I know so many of the faces that are going to be there. Yeah. How beautiful that's going to be. Can I, on that note, yeah. Can I can I tell you another story? Please. I think tell me actually, a story. <laughs> I think will they tell your story? I think this is a story I've probably told you before at some point, but until you started, I don't know. <laughs> so, <clears throat> when I was in senior year in mm. high school, right at the end of the year, just before we're about to graduate, um, it's coming into the summer. Uh, it's traditional for. Um, the seniors in my high school to go on a senior picnic. Um, and so everybody leaves school and you go to usually Fillmore Glen, which is um, the, the national park that's right. right in my hometown. So we're all down there and you know we're there for the day. It's, it's this beautiful sunny day that everything's green, the, you know, the water's flowing over the waterfalls and everything like that. And people are out like throwing footballs around and everybody's eating and having drinks and stuff like that. And we're all just having a great time. And I have brought my guitar and I'm sitting with a couple of my friends, just like two or three of my friends at a picnic mm. table in the pavilion. And one of the guys who was in my senior class said, oh, I'll play American Pie, the, the Don McLean song. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, all right. Which, you know, anybody who knows that song, it is a very one or two verses. song. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I sit there and I start playing. And um, I, I have this tendency when I'm playing to just kind of get lost in the song. And I close my eyes and I tune everything out and I just play and sing. Yeah. And so that's what I've done. Um, 17 years old. I'm sitting there with my guitar. I've just got my eyes closed. I'm playing and singing this great, like one of the great songs. It's a songs. ripper song. Yeah. And I get to the third chorus. So I've just sung the third verse. I'm about to start the third chorus. And suddenly I can hear all of these voices around me. And I open my eyes and I look around and the entire senior class, and it's not a big class because I come from a very small town. Sure. It's a small school. But the entire senior class is circled around me in this big semicircle. All the chaperones and the teachers and stuff that were there, they're all there. They're all singing along as well. Everyone is singing along to the song while I'm sitting there playing. And I just play this song and I've got this chorus of voices just there singing along with me. Mm. And it was in it was such a high and it was that very moment where I was like this is what I want for the rest of my life. I want I want to produce this for people and and you know like I want to have that. I want to capture that feeling forever. Mm. And uh, of course, I, I didn't go on to do that. But well, um, don't don't speak so finally. Like well, there, I mean, yeah. there there will be ways and moments ahead that that achieve that. And that is just such a magical moment. It, it was 
one of the most incredible moments of my life. It was one of those moments where as I started to get older, I looked back on it and I, I started to question myself. Did that really happen that way right. or am I just am I just making the story bigger than what it was? And then a couple of years ago, a friend of mine through some random... I think I had posted a, a, a song on social media. Like I'd recorded myself playing a song on social media and shared right. it. And this friend of mine from high school commented and she said, I still remember that time you played American Pie at the senior picnic and the whole class was there singing along with you. And I went, it did happen. <laughs> I did remember it that way. Yeah. And it was, it, was, it was vindicating and it just kind of brought all that joy back because mm. I was like... It was just it was a it was such a special moment of I, I didn't even intentionally share the music no. with everyone, but it just it happened. That's the beauty of music, though. It yeah. just connects us. Yeah. Even people who aren't inverted commas musical will still have musical association. They will still yeah. have music tied to memories. Yeah. Tied to like tied to moments in their life that are just so part of the, every fiber of their being, mm. even if they themselves are not musical. Yeah. And that doesn't just mean playing, being able to read or write music or play music or play an instrument or whatever. Yeah. That's, that's just whether or not they're like, oh, no, I don't really care for, for listening to music, which yeah. some of those people exist. Sure. But music will still be such a key part of their existence. Yeah. It just can't not be. It's such an interesting... Now I've got you saying the word interesting. <laughs> well, no, I mean... It's I'm... just really interesting. It's interesting. It's interesting. <sighs> Should we wrap it up there? Yeah, this has been lovely. Yes. I, I, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It, it, obviously, it's such a, a key part of my life and it's a key part of your life and it's something that we get to share together. It's the reason we met each other. It is indeed the reason that we met each other and it's something that really... It, it's a beautiful thread through our entire chosen family. Yeah. It really is. Like, some of the, some of the fondest memories I have of our chosen family are the moments where we've just been kind of sitting around and fiddling with songs or... Yeah. Yeah. Well... Um, thank you for, for listening to, to this podcast. I hope that, uh, oh, and listening to us, what's the word? Wax poetic? Is that the expression? <laughs> um, please feel free to, to reach out and share your musical moments. I would love with us. to hear people's. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Because we're, we're touching on something that is in everybody's lives. Um, so if you would like to share with us your favorite musical memories or a song that means something to you and, and you're comfortable sharing that with us you can remain anonymous if you prefer yeah. I, I would love to to hear those stories I would love to connect yeah and, and send us a voice note if you like and we can yes. hear it on the tail end of an episode it's like a high note you know mm. it's like a you we know, don't even have to sing the high note you can sing just a melody <laughs> <laughs> that's wrong sing the high note <laughs> <laughs> it's only good if it's high <laughs> oh, oh, music gross but thank you for listening. Um, you can email us at hehimpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at at hehimpodcast. At at. <laughs> at at hehimpodcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank you as always for listening and thank you for, for hosting this evening. And thank you for coming around. and Absolutely. Thanks for the soup. Eating dinner and sharing wine. It's and delicious.
It's a good things. I started by um, putting uh, water in a pot. As a practical joke. <laughs> yes. As a, as a practical joke, I changed all the labels on the spices in the in the cupboard. Uh huh. Yeah. Nobody's found me out yet, but the time is coming. Jesus. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> David Butler Studio Podcast.